right now. I'm in trouble. They need to get used to it. Saturday, what time? Two o'clock. They will become man and wife. <laughs> so, we are officially inviting you to come. Okay? We are officially asking you to come. Reach your hands out towards them. Father, this is uh, the last Sunday that they will be single. Let them enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> but Lord, I, you know, uh, you want what God wants to put together, God will keep together. And let no man try to separate what God's doing. And we thank you for them. Lord, we want to bless them as a church today uh, to be prepared, to be ready, to, to be joined together uh, this coming Saturday. And Father, we pray, God, that the power that is in the heart of Jesus Christ towards his bride would be released into them, Lord. And God, let them wait till Saturday for that to happen. <laughs> Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. I've really enjoyed doing like premarital counseling with them. It's been a lot of fun, I have to admit. But, you know, they're, they were very relaxed in it. And, you know, some people are not relaxed about that kind of stuff, but they were. They did good, so. And I believe they'll have a great marriage. Amen. I believe that God's going to really use their marriage. Um, so, I want you to open your Bible this morning. I've got a, I want to talk to you just a little bit. Second uh, Corinthians 13. I want to read one verse. I know a lot of people, well, young people have next week off. Maybe some old people taking off next week too for spring break. <laughs> so that'll be, be blessed if you can go take some time off. And if you can't, be blessed anyway. Lord, I ask you to uh, speak. I've feel like you got something here you want to say to us. And I ask you, Lord, to speak through me and speak to our hearts today, Jesus. Amen. Let me read verse 14, last verse in 2 Corinthians. It says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Three things in that, okay? Number one is the grace of Jesus Christ. And that's saving grace. Number two, the love of God, the love of the Father. And number three, the communion, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Those are three things that are really important in the Christian walk. Um, as, as you all know, um, there's been a lot of emphasis placed on, on grace. I think they always will be. They always should be. Both saving grace and you know, empowering grace. There's also a real emphasis in the church today for, for people to experience the love of the Father to know that God really does love them on a very personal level. And I will say to you, as a Christian, you will go nowhere quickly until you have a personal revelation of God's love for you. And it's very personal. I mean, we, I used to be the kind of Christian that said this, God loves me because He loved everybody else, and I just happen to be in the crowd, you know. But that is not what we're talking about here. That is the truth. But there is a personal revelation where God will speak His love into your heart and let you know how much... He loves you, uh, even when you're messed up and, and, you know, stumbling around making messes, you know, all around you. That's a, that's a 
something that God's really been emphasizing over the past few years in the church, and I believe He will continue doing that. But there's also this thing called the communion or fellowship of the Holy Spirit, relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now, I believe this, and I believe this is the truth of the Bible, is we don't just come to the Bible and study the Bible to learn precepts and principles and then try to apply them to our life. You hear what I'm saying to you? That is not what Christianity is all about, because if that was what Christianity was, then it would be a man's religion. It'd be no different than any other religion in the world that, that takes a book and reads it and says, these are the things this book says, and then you try to live those things. Now, I do believe that we study, our, study the Bible, we apply ourselves to the Word of God, but there's a thing where God Himself has to communicate to your heart. There's a thing where God, there's this relationship. This is what Paul was saying. There's this communion. There's this fellowship. There's this divine exchange between you and God. And Are you all with me? And without that, then we do not have much of a religion. Now, I'm telling you we don't. We do not have much of a religion without that. And that's the truth. And what God wants to do is reveal to people what there's a part of Christianity, a vital part that says God desires a relationship. God des desires a communication, a fellowship with His people. And that's what we have to go for. Otherwise, we're no different than anybody else, as far as I'm concerned. Now listen, here's the question. Are you led by the Holy Spirit? That's what we're talking about. Are you led by the Holy Spirit? Are you? That's question number one. Question number two, how do you know you're being led by the Holy Spirit? How do you know it? How do you know some of the things in your relationship with God, how do you know they're just not just you? You know, just you. How do you know that was really just me? Or how do you know maybe it's some philosophy you're following? You just got this philosophy, you got this certain theology, this certain doctrine, this is the way it works, and you just blindly apply that. How do you know you're really not doing that? Or how do you know there's not some other spirit? You know, there's other spirits out there, you know, devils and demons and stuff that you're being led by. You know, the Bible does say they can disguise themselves and come like angels of light. <laughs> how do you know, you know, how do you know when you're making big decisions and you're really seeking the Lord? You're really desiring to hear what God has for. How do you really, really know that God's talking to you? Because He doesn't, you know, necessarily talk out loud always. He doesn't have to give signs. You understand what I'm saying? It's really important for us as Christians to really not only believe that we're being led by God, that God is talking to us. You know that God's real, God's alive, and He's communicating with you on a personal level. It's important for us as Christians to know. This is the reason I know this is God. So, turn to Romans 8. That's what I want to talk to you about. In Romans 8, great chapter in the Bible, Romans 8. Kind of a hard chapter, but great. Romans 8, there are at least seven things that will tell you in there that you are being led by the Holy Spirit. In other words, there's seven things in there that says this. If you are being led by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will lead you into at least these seven things. Okay? Y'all with me? Now, this will help you when you're a Christian walk. This will help you when you really don't feel like you're, I have this decision to make. I can't find it in the Bible. I've got people to pray for me. Nobody has really been there to give me any help. The, you know, I went for counsel, and they couldn't really tell me what to do. You know, this is the kind of thing that will help you in living your walk and knowing that you're not just going off on your own. You're not just pursuing your own thing. Okay? Is this going to be helpful? 
It should be. If you know, if it's not, it's not God's fault. Well, I'm gonna tell you right now, it would be my fault. I'll take the blame. There's seven things that I feel like the Lord's shown me recently because I've really pursued this thing of fellowship with the Holy Spirit, and I see people that a lot of times saying that God's told them something, and I'm thinking that ain't God. You know, you're deceived, and why? Why are you deceived? So this, I think this can be real helpful to us. This is practical Christianity. This is living it, man. This is living. This is being led by the Spirit. This is what it tells you. This is what the Bible tells us. Um, but I'm not going to be able to give you all seven of them today, okay, because the first one, which to me is probably the most important one, I really want to explain it to you, okay? So I'm just going to tell you that because, because the first one is the one that I learned early on as a Christian, but nobody ever really explained it to me. And I learned sort of the hard way on this one. Okay? So I want to read, let's read Romans 8, 1, verse 1, and then Romans 8, verse 5 and 6. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but walk according to the Spirit. In other words, if you're walking according to the flesh, there's going to be some condemnation in your heart. And you know what condemnation is? It's an adverse judgment. It's like you went to, went to court for a crime and the judge gave a bad judgment on you. You shoplifted and he's going to put you in prison for 25 years. That's condemnation. Okay, it's adverse. It's when in your heart of hearts you know you're condemned, your conscience is crying out against you. And the Bible's clear here that if you are following up the Spirit, you will not have condemnation in your life. You will not hear that voice crying to you and saying, this is wrong. Okay, now let's read verse 5 and 6. For, to, for, to be, well, for those who live according to the flesh set their mind on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. That's, the, that's what the Bible says. So if you're carnally minded this morning, guess what? That's bad. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So I'm going to tell you that this is the first thing. If you're being led by the Holy Spirit this morning, the first thing is this. You will be led into peace. Okay? The Holy Spirit will lead you into peace. Okay? Now, this is important. Because this is what I always tell people. You got peace about it. About a decision. That's how I learned as an early Christian. Trying to make decisions. That's what they told me. Well, you got to have peace in your heart, brother. What's your conscience? Do you feel condemned in your heart? Or you got peace in your heart? I'm not talking about self-serving peace, have it my way peace. I'm talking about deep down inside. What does your heart really tell you? Okay? That's the kind of peace I'm talking about. It even indicates over in the Old Testament, Isaiah 55, 12 says it. You shall be led out, or you shall be led forth with peace. In other words... The Holy Spirit indicating back in Isaiah, that's the way God leads His people. That's how He does it. He does it with peace. He leads you out. He directs your life with peace. So, let me talk to you about how... It, this is why I want, to, I want to spend some time about how it works, because a lot of people miss it on this. How, do, how does peace work? Because, and I hate to tell you this, I want to read some scriptures I read to you a couple of weeks ago again. All right? I don't hate to tell you that, but I just can't seem to get away from this storm thing. <laughs> you know? It's, it's not honing me, but it just keeps coming up in my heart. Hold your place in Romans 8 and turn to Mark 4. 
Okay? Because I believe, this is one thing I believe, and I'll tie it together for you. I believe that the church in America is in a storm. I believe the church, I thought it was interesting, Monday morning in the Charlotte Observer, here, there was three things. Number one, there was a church in South Carolina, a Baptist church, where their sanctuary burned down. That was sad. It's real sad. I don't think that was the Lord. Number two, there was a church called Mecklenburg Community Church that was broken into and $100,000 worth of video and computers and stuff that they had was stolen from that church. 100000 that's a lot of money, man, to be stolen from a church. I'm sure they had insurance and all that, but that was not God. And number three, there was an article in there, an attack on Billy Graham about something Billy Graham said over 30 years ago. Now, you tell me that, that the enemy is not coming against the church. I believe when Billy Graham gets attacked, because Billy Graham would probably be, the, in an, at least on the natural level, the most favored Christian in the world. He's had much, you know, and he's pretty spotless, but something he said over 30 years ago, probably taken out of context, was attacked against Billy Graham. I believe the church is under great attack. I believe all that September 11th was just, a, you know, first in the natural, then in the spiritual. Okay? I believe we're in a time where the church is being shook and being tested. And you go and you talk to other pastors all over, I've talked to them all over the country. And they all got the same testimony. They feel like there's a shaking. They feel like they're, they're, there's resistance in the spirit, spiritual realm. Now, there can be some churches that really have a great momentum right now, and that can be the Lord. But I think overall, so I want to tell you, I want you to read verse, let's read verse 35 of Mark 4. And, I, and remember now, I'm talking about being led with peace. Okay, and I want to tell you how it works. This really tells us how that works. Because a lot of people have confusion on it. I really want you to get this one. Okay? Uh, it says uh, on verse 30, On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us cross over to the other side. That's what Jesus said. Let us cross over to the other side. And uh, just be careful when the Lord tells you that. I'm going to just tell you that right now. Here's what you're going to think. Let us cross over. Oh, the promised land. You know, oh, the promised land. You know, there's something good fixing to happen. That was in the Old Testament. I found out the hard way. You know, when Jesus says, let's cross over, you better start looking at these New Testament verses. I have found that out the real hard way. Because I know God spoke to me over a year ago about crossing over. Okay? And I have found out that the crossing over He was talking about and the crossover I was thinking about wasn't exactly the same. He was talking about this kind of crossing over. Okay? He t started speaking to me back, you know, in the year 2000 in the fall. By the year 2001, in the middle of the summer, what happened here started happening. Here. What happened in the Bible started happening here. It started happening in my life. Oh, yeah, we're crossing over okay. But it ain't like we're going to walk across the waters, they're going to be divided, everything's going to be cool, and we're going to go knock these guys out and blow walls down and scream at villages and stuff. And You know, there's a storm that come. Just being, you know, there was a storm that came. That was sort of bad English. Okay? So when Jesus says, it's time to cross over, when you start hearing that, He'll say that to you. He's saying that for months to me. It's time to cross over, Byron. I started seeing bodies of water. And I'm thinking, the promised land. Yes. It's time to get into the promised land. I didn't know Jesus was tricking me. <laughs> I was saying, yes, well, oh yeah, let's go. And go, go through the book of Joshua and figure out how they did it. Well, that was good, but this is better, you know. 
Verse 37, And a great windstorm arose. A great windstorm arose. All right, let me get this. Let me, this is the Scripture we, I was taught about the peace of God. Colossians 3.15, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let the peace of God rule. And rule means umpire. Okay, let the peace tell you if you're safe or not. That was the only Scripture. And you never violate that. If that umpire says you're not safe, then don't violate it. Okay? So here's the way the peace works. First, first thing is obedience. Let's cross over. Okay, we're going to cross over because Jesus said cross over. Okay? So when Jesus tells you to do something, you do it. Obedience. That's where peace comes from. Peace comes from obeying. Obeying the Lord. Okay? The problem is, is what happens after you obey the Lord because He leads you into some messes. But you've got to let that peace in your heart rule you. And I'm going to tell you something. If you violate that peace, at best, it's going to cause you a lot of headache. At worst, it's going to cost you a lot of heartache. I violated that peace one time. And this is how I learned it. See, I learned it the hard way. Nobody explained all this stuff to me. They just said, yeah, let the peace of God rule in your heart. And I didn't really, okay, that's how you do it. But I, there was a person who came to our church. And everybody thought, this person's wonderful. You know, I didn't think he was wonderful. I couldn't tell you why I didn't think he was wonderful. But there was something down inside of me saying, no, no. There was that umpire saying, not safe, not safe, not safe. And I asked a couple people about it, and they were saying, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I never, you know, and I was a young, the young strapling guy there, so I just, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about. And I suppressed that thing down inside. I mean, I had no reason. I mean, the, the natural reason was, that, yeah, everybody else is saying that's You join in with the crowd. I had no reason. It was down inside. The guy on the outside looked wonderful. He said wonderful things. Well, I suppressed, suppressed it. Make a long story short, this guy, I got involved in this person's life, and it was the, one of the worst things that ever happened to me spiritually. I feel like I got spiritually poisoned by this person. And it took me once, it took, it took two years out of my walk, I felt like. I didn't fall away from the Lord, but it crippled me. It's like being bit by a snake, and there was venom that came into my spirit. And God had to take me and let me go through it because, oh, that boy, I tried to tell him he wouldn't listen. He let me go to teach me. And then he took me about a year to get healed and get recovered because I was basically used and abused by this person, took advantage of in the end. Now, Lord bless that person. It's not a judgment against him, but I'm just telling you, I disobeyed the Lord. Something in me said he's not. And then after that, everybody was saying, yeah, we knew that one, right? You know? <laughs> Thanks a lot. So that's how I learned about that peace thing. And I think there was one other time when I really disobeyed it, and God had mercy on me. It was more of just a headache than it was a heartache. It didn't cost me two years. So let me just tell you, if something inside of you is saying, no, you better listen to that thing, it's the Spirit of God speaking to your conscience, telling you, don't do it. You better obey it. And when Jesus tells you to do something, do what He says do. I don't care how stupid it seems. I don't care how bad it is. Are you with me? Let the peace of God rule. Let Him be the umbar. Obey, obey the peace. Never violate the peace. But they obey the Lord. And it says, a great windstorm arose. A great windstorm arose. And waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. They obeyed the Lord. 
They obeyed the Lord. Jesus said, let's cross over. Okay, we're crossing over with Jesus. Now we're facing circumstances that are devastating. You get that? you got to get this one. This is really important. I'm telling you this, okay? You may have peace in your heart, but the fallout from your decision may create havoc. It may be tumultuous in your life. Because you've obeyed the Lord. And see, that's where a lot of people go wrong. They believe, well, I've obeyed the Lord. I've got peace in my heart. Everything's going to be cool. That is not true. Bottom line, that is not true. Okay? And this is where a lot of people mess up. Because, see, the peace may not be anywhere except in you. Jesus didn't say the circumstances were going to be peaceful. He didn't say the situation was going to be peaceful. I had a good friend of mine who... I got lots of stories about this. A good friend of mine who God spoke to him to be a missionary as a young man. Spent his whole life preparing to be a missionary. His whole life, his whole vision was missions. I'm going to be a missionary, I'm going to be a missionary. Gave his life to it. Got clear words from God. Knew he was following God. Packs himself up, packs his family up and moves to a foreign country. Gets over in that foreign country. Three months he's there. I get this email from him one day that says this. I've made a terrible mistake. I've made a terrible mistake. I'm coming. I'm, I'm, on, I, I'm asking. I was one of his advisors. You know, he had like three advisors. He sent this note to his three advisors. I've been studying the life of Abraham. And he messed up. And I have concluded I've messed up and missed God by coming here. And based on what you guys say, I'm probably going to pack my family up and bring them back home. I'm thinking, What? So, you know, he sent one to a pastor, one to another missionary, and one to this person who was in the mission organization he was with. So he sort of gave a varied opinion. That's what I told him. Tell me what the last thing that you know in your heart of hearts that God told you to do. Tell me what it is. Honestly. He said, well, the last thing I know that I thought I knew that I didn't know at one time, but I'm not so sure about it, but I didn't know it was that God told me to come. And I said, that's your standing orders. Until God tells you something else, you don't come back. You hear what I'm saying to you? A lot of people go wrong there. Oh, I know God told me to take this job. Six months into the job, they find out their boss is an idiot. (laughs) God didn't tell me to take this job. Wait a minute. God doesn't change His mind like that. Just because there's no peace out there doesn't mean... It's not God. Now, we need to get this right, folks. Because if the church is, go- is facing a storm, we better get this right. It doesn't matter about the circumstances, ultimately. What matters is, is what did Jesus say? What did He say? That's all that matters is what He said. And if we obey what He said, then we have put ourselves in His hands for him to take care of. That's why Jesus was down there snoring away in the stern of the boat. Because he knew he didn't do that on his own. He did it because he said, the only thing I do is I do what the Father does. He saw the Father saying, hey, let's cross over. And we're crossing over. He wasn't worried about the storm. He was asleep. And a lot of people go wrong. Now, that doesn't mean that God doesn't do something in your life and it changes. great example in the Bible is Elijah. There was a drought. The Lord sent him, go down here to this brook. These birds are going to bring food to you. Okay? That's, and he was doing it, and these birds were stealing, you know, steak from somebody's house and dropping it off to him. That's what I always thought. 
They're still in steak, dropping off old Elijah, and he's grilling out every night. <laughs> but something happened, and the brook went dry. And then the Lord started talking to him again, said, Yes, dry. Now it's time to do something. Your brook will go dry at times. And God will tell you, Okay, now it's time to do something different. And the Lord said, Guess what, Elijah? Since the, I'm going to promote you, and i got this poor widow woman that's not going to take care of you. That, I thought, man, Lord, he went from a bird taking care of him to a widow who had nothing. And when he got there, she said, Well, I'm gathering up some sticks and fixing my last bit of bread, and I'm going to die. Thanks a lot, God. I could have, the bird at least was consistent. You know what I'm saying? So what I, I'm not saying that God doesn't do things different. But I am saying this. What's God's last word to you? That's what you obey. And a lot of Christians, they believe God spoke to them. They'll head down the road and they'll, they'll, the storm comes. The boat starts filling. We're fixing to sink. We're fixing to go down. This can't be God. They want to go back the other direction. Let me tell you, folks, that is not Christianity in the Bible. That is not Christianity in the Bible. That is not being led by your peace. That is being led by your circumstances. Being led by your peace may mean you're going to face a hurricane. You're going to face circumstances that could blow you down if God doesn't intervene in your life. Are you with me? And we, we, we better get that one right. We better get that one right. We got, we're in a storm. And I'm telling you right now, the church in America is in a storm. We better get it right. We better be, be hearing what Jesus is saying. And, and be doing what Jesus is telling us to do. If they're going after Billy Graham, and they ain't going to find a whole lot on Billy, I'm afraid. You know, they might find some more stuff on some other, some other ones. And hopefully we ain't them, you know. But there's a resistance coming. A great resistance. Y'all with me? I remember one time, I'll tell you this last story. This is one that got me too. But I, I was already learned this lesson then, boy. We, were, we felt like the brook we were in were drying up. The church we were in. We felt like God was, not that church was drying up. We just felt like God was really honestly speaking to us. And we went through months of really seeking the Lord and felt like He had directed us to go to this particular church. And I'd spent time with the pastor and talking to him and really went through this thing and really got God on it. So we decide we're going to do this. We communicate, go to the other church, get their blessing. They, that's how you leave a church, you get their blessing. You go and tell them, I've been seeking God. You know, pray with me about it. I mean, I talked to them, told them what I was thinking about it, asked them to pray with me. And when it came time, you know, it was a blessing. Wanting there and leaving mad and all this. And I have a great relationship with that pastor to this day that we left. Thank God, because I could have done it wrong. But... uh so we go to this new church and plop our hods down on the second row the first Sunday, and the pastor gets up and resigns. <laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking, what? I ain't going to this church. No, I came here to this church because he was, wait a minute, why did I come to this church? I came to this church because God told me to come to this church. And whether that guy was a pastor or Joe Blow was a pastor, that's really not the issue. I'm here because God sent me here. And thank God I didn't listen to my old nasty ne negative thinking, you know, and get up and march out the door after the service was over and never can't look back. You understand what I'm saying? We were there because God gave us a word. We heard God speak to us. Got there, circumstances were what we expected, thought, and all that mess, but we didn't sit and walk away. I mean, my flesh wanted to at first because, it, you know, 
why didn't he tell me he was planning on doing this? You know, I was mad at him and so on and so forth. Anyway, verse 38. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. He was in the stern asleep on the pillow, okay? Now, here's this is important. Many times when we read the Bible, especially the Gospels, we're looking at Peter, James, and John. They were frantic. Wake Jesus up! We look at them like they are our examples. We read, and I love, I love, I used to didn't love him so much, but I fell in love with Paul in the last six months of my life, just studying his life. I used to, you know, yeah, Peter's more, you know, because he's just untrained and uneducated and sort of just an old rough kind of guy, and Paul was, you know, brilliant and I just not no brilliant person. I'm more, you know, I had to fit in with the Peter category. I never quite got, not yet, got to the PowerPoint, you know, that Peter had in his life. But I always sort of more related to Peter. But you see, a lot of Christians look at Paul, they look at Peter, they look at John, and say these are examples. And I'm telling you, they are really not. They are they are examples. But Jesus is our example. And see, when we look at the Gospels, we need to be looking at Jesus. Not Peter denying him, that's, oh, that's how we do it, you know, we mess up. And, you know, we walk down this path sometimes because we're following men who really weren't quite filled with the Holy Spirit yet. Instead of looking at the real man, the real example, because see, it ain't Paul that lives in me. It's Jesus that lives in me. It's not Peter that lives in me. It's not the Spirit of Peter that's on me. It's the Spirit of Christ that's on you. And that's the person we need to look at. So when we end the storm, we don't just look at, oh, they were scared, you know, like you would naturally do, and, and act like they act. We need to be acting like Jesus acts in the storm. He's the example. He is our example. He's living inside of us. So he was laid up there sleeping in his storm. Now, people don't go to sleep if they're anxious, do they? I don't. Right? <laughs> um, as a matter of fact, guess what? Jesus was sleeping in a storm. If you go and look in Acts 12, you know what happened in Acts 12? Herod shot James of, of Peter, James, and John head off. Killed him. Okay? Grabs old Peter. Throws him in jail. Puts all kinds of guards on him. Cutting your head off tomorrow, pal. Guess what Peter was doing up in the prison? Laying up in there sleeping. He wasn't doing what he did here. Scared to death. Those guys think they're going to kill me. I know better. Because you know why I know better? Because way back there, a few months ago, or however long it was, Jesus told me, when you're an old man, people are going to lead you around and make you do things you don't want to do. 